On this episode of The Joe Roberts Show, Joe is sitting down with Alex and Matt of Taifke Real Estate. These young entrepreneurs are making names for themselves in the Austin market. They have over $150 million in residential sales, $220 million in assets under management, 44 agents in their company. Alex and Matt are powerhouses in the Austin, Texas market. They are buying and selling single-family and multifamily properties, as well as starting and expanding the construction side of their business. Find out what these guys have to say about getting started in the business and what the best way to gain success and momentum is in this market. Let's just get right down to business. The Joe Roberts Show. This, this is The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. Hello, Matt and Alex. Welcome to the show. Let's get rolling by giving us a brief background about your investing experience and what assets you're in today. Sure. So uh, I started investing about three years ago. Um, started with single family rentals and quickly moved up to some smaller multifamily, smaller apartment complexes. Uh, right now, we're about to buy a, a 14 unit mobile home park here in Austin, um, do a lot of wholesaling. And um, really, that's kind of that's kind of my my investing background. Done some in stocks in the stock market, but quickly realized that I love real estate much, much better. What is that? What is it about real estate that you tend to like over the other assets? Well, over uh, stocks specifically is I can't log into my real estate account and sell 10 shares right now if the uh, you know market's taking a crash. But real estate pays me every month. We buy into equity on the front end. Um, we always get our money when we buy it. It pays every month. Um, with commercial, we can control the... Um, the price of the and the value of the asset by raising the income and lowering the expenses, and I like the fact that it's uh, that is real. I can go and I can walk on it. No, I agree. I, I think that's sometimes a topic. Sometimes people want liquidity uh, in what they invest in, but I think sometimes the ability to have a non-liquid asset where you can't go on and trade it or panic, you know, like six months ago or eight months ago when everyone kind of panicked and sold a lot of their shares gives you the ability to get better outsized returns over the long haul. Yep. hundred um, percent. They did a study. So uh, I'll, I'll jump into mine in a second, but I, I went to a master's of real estate program at Texas A&M and they studied stocks over like a 60 year period versus real estate. And a lot of people will tell you stocks do better, but this this report it was uh, by Tierra Grande. It's a massive publication in Texas, and it's, it showed that real estate does do better. Um, you know, they're factoring in all the equations of you know the tax advantages, the rent, the appreciation, inflation, everything like that. And it was pretty close, but real estate did better. And uh, I could go on forever about this. I mean, just the uh, you know the psychology that goes along with stocks. Exactly what you're saying, like. The, the mental approach that people have that they get greedy or get fearful drives the price one way or another. And real estate uh, prevents that from happening in a lot of ways. Uh, but kind of like yourself, for me, um, I started when I was 17. Uh, my mom, single mom, she bought a couple houses when we were growing up. And I kind of saw literally she was cleaning houses and then she started owning houses. And one, I got to see like you know, when, whenever I was uh, realized that you could put a down payment and someone could just pay off your mortgage over 30 years, I was fascinated and I realized that that's what I wanted to do. And so I got my license in college and that's the only thing I've ever done. I'm 29 now. And uh, Alex and I partnered up about um, probably four years ago, but then actually partnered on, on the business that I had about six months ago. Uh, but really, you know, 
my whole path was I want to learn everything I possibly can about real estate and take it extremely serious, like super committed 24 seven, started with residential leasing, sales, representing buyers and started buying some myself. Then I went and worked at a commercial real estate brokerage, went back to A&M to get my master's degree in real estate, uh, came back, started a property management company. And then I started working at a uh, commercial brokerage called Edge. And we would do like Gold's Gym, Dick's Sporting Goods, Target, stuff like that. And I was a junior broker, but learned a lot. was around a lot of super smart people. And then uh, got my appraisal license, like just really tried to dabble to learn always knowing I want to, my real goal is I want to own real estate and then have real estate businesses to give me money to own real estate. And so over time, we, we built it to what it looks like now is uh, we've got about 700 doors that we manage single family. We have 45 real estate agents that uh, work at our brokerage. And then we also have a construction and remodeling company. And it's been pretty fascinating because what we've done is um, really zoned in on what our strengths are. And like the remodeling company, Alex and I own 30% of it, but we'll help with, with sales and leads and marketing. And then we got operators that have been doing it for 12 years that, that are handling the work. And it took a long time to find all these people and to get these partnerships in place. But we've really taken this approach of like, uh, get more people, get better people, grow together. We don't have to own everything and just zone in on what we think we're good at and what we like. So what is the value that remodeling company brings you guys? It does all your renovation work for all your properties? Yeah. So, well, that, but like, it's funny, man. Alex and I are, are real estate guys. We're business guys. And we keep laughing and we say we're construction guys now. Uh, I mean, we were, we were meeting with these guys yesterday. So they handle, I mean, everything. We don't know anything about construction and remodeling, uh, but we've got probably 15 jobs in the work right now. Uh, kitchen remodels, bathroom remodels. Uh, if we we get some flips that we're going to do with the team, yeah, we'll get massive discounts. We'll be top of the list. But right now, the focus is really mo more so homeowners. Like it's we're not the you know cheapest by any means. We're definitely not the most expensive. But we'll come in and do very very quality work. Communicate, uh, meet timelines, and we partnered with these guys because of that. Like we really we put our name on it and our brand on it. And we, these are people that I'd put in front of my mom and put in front of you. Like I put my name on these guys. And so the, the value is they just run the show. Uh, but, you know, if we do have flips, yeah, we'll absolutely use that and, and capture all the value we can. The value is another business that we've always wanted to own. It's a, it's a big business and, and we're just at the beginning now. And, you know, like you said, we got 15 jobs going on right now and we've got about Three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars worth of estimates we're about to send out. So it's, it's a. Uh, not only do we get in-house, you know, pricing at cost, but um, I mean it's a business we've always wanted to own and to run, but we never were out there swinging hammers. Yeah, and, and two, <laughs> and two things like um, the way I've kind of viewed real estate is, like I said, kind of learning, I guess, from the bottom up, like leasing and then management. To me, the pinnacle of, of the way I view real estate is to become a developer. And so I think that's one step to get us there. And, you know, we're super excited about that, but we're going to try and take it slow and then try and get there. But the other thing, which hopefully this is valuable for entrepreneurs, is like I've always tried to figure out how do I get as much value out of my time as possible? And so even doing this podcast, right, like we can talk about everything we do and maybe we could get construction leads or brokerage leads or management leads. It's all the same conversation for me. And so I've 
I've created a role where I'm out networking, having lunches, having coffees. And if I can add another little aspect to what I'm talking about that I can bring value on, that's all related. It's all real estate. Then my time, my time becomes more valuable. You see what I'm saying? So that's like been really cool for me uh, to set it up that way. So how did you guys get like exposure to get into the space or, you know, what, what lured you in? The construction space? Just into the real estate space in general. Well, for me, it was, it was my mom. Like I said, yeah. I mean, lit- literally a uh, single mom, she ended up having 18 houses, raised my brother and myself. And I, it was fascinating. And what I realized was anybody can do this. It, I saw a tremendous amount of sacrifice that she made. And we had, you know, she had 15 houses when I was growing up and we weren't, I mean, we, we were not poor by any means. We we're middle-class, but 17 houses maybe sounds a lot better than it is. It's not mm-hmm. like we were just making a ton of money, but she was making money 30 years from then. And so I, I got to see like, oh, you, you take that sacrifice and I got to see what the rewards are and how that works. Cause five years from now, all of her houses are paid off and she'll now she'll make 30 grand a month in rent. But all through growing up, they just paid for themselves. Um, so I just, for me, it was, uh, I worked a lot of jobs. I think Alex was the same way. I, you know, did asphalt, worked at a rock yard, you know, worked at fast food. And I just hated, I hated looking at the clock. And I just felt like I was just wasting my time. It, it would drive me crazy. And I, in some ways, I just, uh, I just felt trapped by having a job. And what real estate allowed for me was this whole new world of being my own boss and having my own time and setting my own schedule and getting massive rewards. And so to me, it was a no brainer. I'm so, I'm so passionate about this. Like I, I believe that everyone should own real estate and I think that they can. And you know, one of the reasons why we do what we do on the social media side is I don't think people realize that. And I feel very blessed that I was introduced to that at an early age because I haven't looked back and I meet people all the time that are 10, 20, 30 years older than me. And it's like, you start talking about this and this light bulb goes off. They're like, man, I wish I would have known this a long time ago. And it's in, and I, I wish they did too, but at the same point, it's never too late. Like they can still go make things happen. And, you know, I just really believe it can, it can change people's lives. You can do it, uh, full-time, you can do it part-time as you know, if you have a full-time job, you can invest in real estate in the side and I don't see why somebody with a full-time job can't buy one or two houses every year if they're willing to make those sacrifices. And I think that will change their life and, and change their kids' lives, you know? Yeah, I think also the, the power of the internet and accessibility to people allows people to get educated on all these aspects that they just never taught in school. And, and you know, it's like just the last few years myself, I've realized how much I just didn't learn and how much I was they were teaching me in high school that is not applied today. And so I think that's so awesome that everyone just has the internet. I mean, I think just people, people take it for granted, right? Like I graduated 2000, I think 2000, and we didn't have laptops in school. Like, I think we're like one of the cutoff years or right about there. So we didn't have any of this stuff. And so we didn't have that, you know, me and my buddies, we were self-employed on our resume in high school. And that was like contractor, landscaper, plumber, service-based business, right? It's not like e-com and all this other shit. So I think it's awesome that you guys are involved in early on and you understand, uh, you know, just looking from the view, like how you seen your mom do and be patient because in 10, 20 years, you're going to be well off and, you know, everyone will kind of be a little jealous, I guess, right? 
<laughs> yeah. But that's what it is. I mean, I, I, I try to make it very simple is like, this can be for everyone. It just, it's not a get rich quick. Like a lot of people see and, and hear and think about Alex and I make a crazy amount of sacrifices. We, you know, we have multiple big businesses. And if you look outside our office, we both drive Priuses. And there's a reason we do that. It's, it's, we want to buy more real estate. I think there's another thing that, you know, at least for me, it, it makes me feel very humble and um, not like I'm trying to be flashy, but dude, we'll pull up to, I'll pull up to properties with commercial brokers and they're like, is your client coming? It's like, no, I'm the buyer, <laughs> you know? And so it's, it's uh, but it's sacrifice. And, and with that sacrifice and a long-term approach, everybody can do this. Like, I think you, you probably definitely know that. I know Alex knows that. And I just, it's a pet peeve of mine that people are like, well, you know, make up all these excuses, but no, you can make it happen. We have all kinds of agents on our team. We've got, you know, female, black entrepreneur, full-time nurse, and she's killing it. And so it's like, if someone's doing that, you know, look, look at her, look at Doreen. Now, what are you complaining about? And so we're putting in the work and other people can put in the work. And if you have that mindset, I really want to help people get there. Because we're we're going there too. So you guys are playing in the Austin market, or what markets are you guys playing? Yeah, Central Texas, Austin, Texas, MSA. And so, as I'm sure everyone's listening, uh, how do you find deals in such a competitive marketplace? Right? They're they're here, man. I mean, we <laughs> we we grew up here, um, and so you know we've been here for 26 years, 29 years, and um, we're very familiar with the area, and you know it's. It's pretty cool. I mean, there there's deals everywhere. They don't, you know, I don't walk out my door and and see 10 of them, but we're looking every single day. We have a lot of connections. We, you know, view a lot of multifamily. We view a lot of commercial warehouse stuff. We view a lot of single family. And we've got so many, as Matt calls them, lines in the water out there that, uh, you know, a few of them get bites here and there. Yeah. And that, I was thinking about that this morning because I do preach on that all the time, lines in the water. Uh, but I think also it's like, every line has a different bait. We're, <laughs> we're testing hundreds of things. Um, Alex and I, at one point, we're doing, we were literally doing 30 offers each every day. And we do that for multiple uh, months. And I think, you know, that's another pet peeve of mine is like, how are you going to be a wholesaler? Everyone's wholesaling. How are you going to find deals? There's no deals. It's like, who, who's waking up at 6am and making offers for eight hours or 10 hours a day and doing that over a six month, one year, two year, five year period? nobody. So the deals are there. It just takes that massive commitment. Um, if you're, I mean, maybe some people are doing that, but if you're really consistent and you're doing it, the deals are there. Um, if you talk, you know, if you talk to uh, 10, pro if you just have a goal to talk to 10 property owners every day, I guarantee you'll find deals. But who wants to do that? Nobody, nobody's doing that. And so it's just as many lines in the water in as many different aspects of real estate as we possibly can we're doing that. We've got wholesale up and running full-time. We've got the construction. Those guys are finding us deals. I'm having coffee. We're doing the podcast. We're doing social media. We're doing Facebook live. We make offers on the MLS. Uh, we drive by a property and we write down the address and we call the owner. Like it's just a massive amount of commitment and literally trying to do everything we possibly can every day to be able to get to our goal. Just, just always looking. Uh, I mean, where we're sitting right now is a duplex that Matt saw on the way home from walking his kids to school. And we called the owner. He, he had put out the sign that night. We called him the next morning. We came here in 30 minutes and locked up the deal. 
always keeping our eyes open, always looking and, and always, uh, you know, staying active and making offers and looking for deals. You guys have a preferable method between uh, direct to owner or through a broker? Nothing really. Just however we can get it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is comp- all that, that I said though, it is very, very competitive. It's a massive amount of jobs. You know, the, the better, you know, the market uh, and understand values, the better off you are. We have whole, we've wholesaled three, actually four deals, large wholesale fees that were listed by brokers. And we knew the value better than the broker did. So we put it under contract and then we sold it to someone else. So we love that. I mean, those are some, that's some of the most money we've ever made on those deals. So when you guys are doing acquisitions now, who are you using for your uh, financing for your deals? All kinds of stuff. However we can get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lines of credit, hard money, community banks, owner finance. Like another thing is like we're, we've created this real estate brokerage, which has been really fascinating is our approach is we believe that if you want to be a real estate agent entrepreneur, go make money on every and all aspects of real estate. You know, if you go to Keller Williams, they're going to tell you, just go buy and sell. We're like, hey, come on over to TRE. You can wholesale. You can do subject twos. You can lend your money. You can flip. You can partner with us. We'll teach you everything. And that's part of what I was talking about from my career early on is I, I really wanted to learn all of these things. And I had mentors that would sit down with me for an hour a day for for years. And I would read, I used to type in real estate on Google uh, four times a day and just read read the articles that popped up. Um, So just massive exposure. And we what we do is we put properties under contract and then we we put them under contract at a price that we like and we know that we're gonna close. And then we literally just explore everything we can possibly think of. You know, do we wanna bring on some partners? Do we wanna wholesale this? Do we want to syndicate it? Whatever it may be, we just keep every option possible open. And back to the the concept of having partners and not having to own everything ourselves, we do that with real estate as well. Like this office right here, um, our total down payment to buy this was uh, 28, 30,000. And we could have, you know, we could have bought that ourselves all day, but we had two other guys on our team that had been wanting to buy real estate. And we're like, hey, we'll all buy this for 7,500 each. And so now we own this with four other people. And with that group, maybe we'll go buy 10 more of these. And so we just look at it very long-term and big picture thinking and not like, oh, we need to own this one property all by ourselves. We'd rather have as many good people as we possibly can, surround ourselves with them and everyone grow together. That's a good uh, a good point. It's kind of like Bezos, right? I think he's 11% ish of Amazon, but yet he's like one of the richest guys, right? You don't have to own it all. You just have to have great partnerships or own a good percentage of it. Yeah. And I, and I got that. I was kind of doing it on my own, but then I read this book. Um, it's called Trammel Crow, Master Developer. Do you know who Trammel Crow is? He's one of the like all-time developers. Uh, he started in Dallas and now he's got a company. It's Trammel Crow, but he was a developer. And he was actually a handshake guy. And what he did was uh, when you get into the commercial real estate brokerage history, it's kind of a small history of how it all started. There's a couple companies and people branched off and started their own. And, you know, all these big names all came from like a couple places. And Trammell Crow was one of them. And he would just establish development partnerships all over the world. And he became, you know, one of the largest property owners there was. And it was all just getting as many good people as he could. And I was like, man, I'm kind of doing that myself. But then I read about it and 
heard what he did. And then I, I leaned even more into that because I saw that it was a, a roadmap to, to success. Well, how about when you're out establishing these partnerships or people that you're going to do business with? What are some things that you look at, you know, from their characteristics or their track record that gives you the kind of a good feeling in your stomach to do business with them? Yeah, everything I can. Um, that's kind of my role is, I mean, literally I, for four years, I was, I'm not kidding. I had four to five coffees a day. Uh, I mean, multiple days I would, I would go home and throw up. I was just caffeinated <laughs> up. And even other than the coffee, just my mind was racing, you know, cause meanwhile I'm getting a hundred calls and a hundred text messages and all kinds of stuff, but it, it all takes time. Like I'll give you a good example, our construction company. Um, so we, we manage properties. We, like I said, 700 doors. So we have contractors, all kinds of contractors, but they're doing the smaller stuff. And so over time I had people reaching out to me, asking me for contractors and I would give them referrals of people that I've used and that worked well with me. And these people would just let, let, let me down every time. Like they're not responsive. They didn't do good work. And I'm like, I'm just done. I'm done referring business. Then I ended up buying my house um, from this guy named Buddy and he actually flipped it. He's our current partner right now. This was about two years ago. And after that, I was like, this guy seems really legit. He's, you know, organized. He seems like a guy of character. So I started giving him leads and that's, you know, you can't know everything about somebody up front, but you got to kind of just test it out. I knew he did good work for, on my house. And so I started giving him leads and ended up giving him like 50% of his leads. He's like, dude, you're sending me so many leads. And I was like, good. I've been wanting to get in the business. Can we talk <laughs> about partnering? And he was open to it. And that was a year period. And so then after that, we, we met Alex and I and two other partners uh, probably for about four months, multiple times. And it's a dating process. You're, you're dating somebody to see if you want to be their partner. You know, you do your background and credit checks. You, you understand who they are, how they communicate and how they present themselves. And other than that, I mean, you have to just take a risk sometimes. That's another whole thing. It's like, you, you have to take risks and you calculate and, and, you know, be as smart as you can on these risks. Sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to succeed, but I'm okay with failing. Um, and you just try and fail the right way. Like if I were to start passing out all these leads and they, and they did a bad job, I'd go and own up to it, you know, but luckily uh, this guy isn't that way, but it's, it happens. And so it's just a process of uh, long game, man. Every time we partner with someone, I've, I've known them for three, four, five years. And that started with those coffee meetings four years ago and then just staying in touch. We look for specific things, like you were saying, like, and Matt was saying, good character, you know, honest, uh, they act with integrity. Those are very important. Hustlers. Hustlers. Do we, do we work well together? I mean, you know, can we, can we work through problems together? Can we, you know, talk together? Can we work a business together? And then also most specifically is we look for experts in their craft. So, I mean, Matt's main job, like he said, is leads and uh, networking and, and growth and opportunities. I run the business side of things and watch over our money and make sure everything's running properly. And then we really want someone who can just plug in and just do what they do best. Allow Matt to do what he does best. Allow me to do what I do best. And then, you know, we all kind of prosper together. Yeah, I want to drill down for the listeners that, you know, just to kind of reiterate that the time frame or the time lag between establishing great relationships typically always takes a long period of time. And I think a lot of people become short-sighted when they're raising capital or doing certain things. 
that they haven't at least allowed six to 12 months for someone to kind of establish a relationship, follow them, build trust, listen to them and kind of get to know each other. So when you're saying three to four years, I mean, that's definitely a while. And most people won't put in the time to nurture a relationship for that period of time because they don't have any instant result, right? That's right. And they also, I mean, the same thing applies on everything. Like they also want to buy a property and they hear the word no, and then they start looking for the other one. It's like, you got to freaking stay on it. Uh, You got to hear eight no's. I mean, nothing. How many times are you going to cold call someone and they're going to say, yeah, I want to sell. Never. It's, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, it's always, I want to sell or I want to sell the, at, above the top. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that, That's a good point. Yeah. To clarify. But to me, it's like everything is in the follow-up and the consistency, literally. I mean, just probably like everything in life, you know, being healthy, working out, building the business. Um, and that's, what's been, that's what's worked so well for me is I've got the 10 years in. And so people already know what I do and I don't have to go establish that because I've already done it. So now when I find a deal or an opportunity, I already have that credibility. So it gets easier to just roll. But yeah, man, everybody is so, I feel like very short-sighted. Um, I think everything is in the follow-up. And I think very few people do that. I think it might've been through Ron Legrand or something uh, many, many years ago that I heard that typically like the average or the time is the amount of contacts is on the seventh try, right? So I always tell people like if it's on our team and we're doing something, did we hit them seven times? And it's like, no, two. Well, then hit them to seven and tell me it doesn't work, right? Well, here's another thing that I, <laughs> I was preaching on this for a while. Um, the, the concept of collecting no's, right? Yeah. So if, if there's anything that you want to do in life, like whatever it would be, uh, you want to buy multifamily, you want to buy single family, you want to, you know, whatever, um, go collect the word no 100 times, hear the word no 100 times. And I cannot see any way that you'll not find success, but nobody wants to hear no a hundred times, but like, you know, the seven knows I agree, but like it should be a hundred, like it, it, it should be a, it should be a game of like, got some more no's. Like if you go hear the word no 50 times every single day, things are going to start happening for you. Yeah. I can't agree more. I can't agree more. So also when it comes to you're networking. Where are you guys typically finding these partners or people? Is this, you know, through local RIA groups? Is what's, Where are you finding them? Everywhere, man. I mean, um, like I'm going to meet, I'm just the random, like literally like Alex said, specialize in what you're good at, right? So me is like, I'll meet anybody. I'm, I'm meeting a guy who's running for mayor in Georgetown after this and has nothing to do with real estate that on the surface, right? But I, I don't view it like that. I'm like, this is a great guy to know who I am to get connected with. I'll, you know, we'll meet with the biggest, literally the biggest developers in Austin and I'll meet with a kid in high school. I just meet everybody. And then, you know, I'll find them on Facebook. I find them through my own network. Uh, people, they find me and then I'll say, who, who else should I meet with? I mean, there's, you know, I have an endless amount of people. I can, <laughs> I have an endless market. Like I, there's 15,000 real estate agents in, in our market. And so, all of those agents potentially bring value, and it's, but it but they bring value in the long run, not on one coffee meeting. They bring it on getting to know them and staying in touch with them. So I'll just like anybody and everybody I possibly can sit down with. You know, ideally I'm meeting with people that are serious and committed. For the most part, if someone's going to come out, they're 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 trying to get something and they're going to be friendly. So I also have fun doing it and I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, just just constant. I mean, I'm in a 
government affairs board committee for uh, Williamson County. I'm on this leadership round rock group. I'm on every single Facebook page. Uh, I see people posting like new people come to town and start posting videos. I'll meet them. I'll take them to coffee. I'll take them to lunch. Like everybody. Well, that's good, man. Cause if you were out to uh, meals that amount, you know, if you're eating that amount of meals, that would be a lot of food. Coffee, <laughs> coffee's better, man. I, I try to stick to coffee meetings myself anymore. Cause otherwise you just eat too, <laughs> out eating all day. Right. Yeah, man. And it's uh, and I got, so I have a thousand dollar budget a month and that's hard to spend actually. <laughs> but if, if you, you know, it takes time to get to that, that space, but that's 12 grand a year. Uh, if you're selling real estate, that's one or two deals. And so if you have the ability to, to commit to that, it's not, no, not everyone can do that, but you can get there. Um, I guarantee I get, you know, 10 times that in value every single year, probably way more than that. But what's allowed me to do that is I've got Alex, I've got other partners. So I can just zone in on this. Meanwhile, numbers look great. Business is operating. Teams getting what they need. So we just divide and conquer. And I think there's some magic in that. Like we have the same goal, but we're going and attacking it and running through different walls. And then we're really just raising everything together when I'm not even seeing what he's doing. He's not even seeing what I'm doing, but we know that we have the right people and we just go attack it. Okay. And so now I guess, you know, as we're at the end of 2020 and it's harder to, you know, meet people in person with everything going on, right? Is that a lot of virtual, virtual coffee or what? It's a mix. <laughs> uh, it's different in Texas as well. I mean, yep. it's, it's pretty open here. Uh, so I'm still, I'm definitely still meeting people. Um, we've got our office, people come here. Um, you know, I, everyone's got their own opinions on, on things, but I just, I wanted to get out and live my life and I just, you know, how to do what I got to do. So I'm, de- I'm still meeting people. Uh, and people are still willing to meet me as well. There's, there's a little, I mean, we're not, you know, worried about going out or anything. And I mean, I, since COVID, you know, started, there's a couple of people that have been like, maybe we should wait to meet in person, but I haven't heard that. And, and I, but I have done virtual meetings and I never really did them before COVID and I've, you know, I've enjoyed them. I mean, they're pretty efficient as well. I'll never be the same as the person to person, but it does, I know, it, it it does work. So what do you guys, from a business perspective now, uh, with everything going on, are you, is there any changes in the business plan on what you're doing moving forward and into 2021 with, let's just call it the way the world is at the moment? I'll let Alex take this because he had a cool concept that, uh, that I a hundred percent agree with. And he said, it's a, it's all a new ball game. Like it's a, the, the world has changed. And the only thing that we see is opportunity you know, we could go complain and make excuses and all this stuff, but um, it is a new ball game. Everything's new. I feel like there's going to be a lot of businesses that arise out of this that we're like, man, that started in the COVID era. And, you know, <laughs> half the things we're doing did already, you know, but I just love that concept that you had on it's a new ball game and that perspective. Yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, nothing has changed. It's not like, um, if anything, all that's changed is we got more and more aggressive on everything that we're doing. And I mean, when COVID happened and the world was falling apart, I remember telling Matt, like, this is the time to go out there and get everything that we've been missing out on, you know, for the longest time. I mean, there's a it's time to go out and grab some more market share. And so we're just getting more aggressive, more offers, more agents, more deals, uh, speaking more owners, more networking, more construction leads. We're just going, I mean. We had just- 10 agents uh, before COVID. When COVID started, we had 10 agents. Now we have 45 um, and so it's just, you know, we just keep our heads down and work even harder. 
And at, at the same time, on the flip side of all of this is I am drinking the Kool-Aid here in Austin and saying that we're in the best market in the world. <laughs> and, you know, maybe that's true, maybe not, but it's definitely one of them. And so, you know, it's still hot here. Like we're, we're very blessed and lucky that businesses are booming. 180 people are moving here every day. Tesla's coming. Apple's building a 5 billion campus. Amazon's growing. Um, there's massive growth here. So uh, I think it might even have been accelerated because of what's happening in California and New York. So, you know, we're just lucky where we're at as well. And we recognize that. We try to put that in perspective and say, man, we're young. We're in a great market that only looks like blue skies. Um, it's, uh, you know, pro you can still buy houses here for 250000 and you can't buy that in California and a lot of places in New York. And so are those houses going to be worth 500, a million in 10, 20 years, probably. And so we're trying to buy as many of those as we can and just, um, you know, keep our heads down. Real, I mean, real estate here, it, uh, we're in a very, very hot market. And apparently, I mean, this is all I really know um, and understand in terms of real estate is the Austin MSA market in Texas. But I mean, my girl works for realtor.com and she says it's like this everywhere uh, across the United States. Um, you know, 15 offers over asking price, uh, you know, getting deals closed and low inventory. And so uh, according to her, um, you know, the real estate market across the United States is like that. But here in Austin, I mean, it's doing great. COVID has presented certain opportunities. Like I think uh, retail and commercial real estate. I mean, you go down... I don't know if you're familiar with Austin, but Sixth Street is the main, you know, party street here in Austin. And uh, you drive down Sixth Street and there's one shop open. Everything else is boarded up. And so retail is obviously not, you know, doing too great. Uh, bars and stuff like that. And so there's there are certain opportunities and um, we're just going out and happy to see some stuff we weren't seeing in 2019. So from like a uh, underwriting uh, from underwriting perspective or anything, are you guys doing anything differently to kind of forecast rent increases or anything over the next few years? Or are you just pretty as bullish on Austin and the growth is there? We're bullish, but we we're very aggressive because we have all those lines in the water and make all those off. They're low offers. That's why we don't get that many of them, but they come back six months later. So, I mean, we'll, we'll literally buy, like I, we don't buy, we won't buy a house unless it's like 50, 60 grand below what we could sell it for tomorrow. So we're just super aggressive and we, we're very patient with it. Um, so we don't, we're not syndicating deals where we're buying them, you know, and projecting two or 3% growth and getting 8% returns. We're like making like 40, 50% returns, but not doing it at a massive scale. Uh, we are, we're doing it in good numbers because we just grind. Uh, but it's not like it's something we just go replicate all the time. We just have to keep working, you know, just head down type stuff. Over the years, I always like to say, uh, if you could buy the deal today and sell it tomorrow for a profit, it's at least a deal worth looking at, right? And that's basically like, you, you don't want to get into too many deals where you can't sell it tomorrow for a profit. That's all we do. And then, <laughs> and then we refinance, you know, six months later, we refinance and get all our money back. So how are you guys playing the Austin market? I mean, this could kind of correlate to any market across the US for listeners, but do you guys look for certain areas that are you know, changing, gentrifying, or, you know, what is the strategy behind it? Wherever we can walk into that equity on day one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, it, it's so many moving parts with what we have going on because 
one aspect is buying real estate. The other aspect is building the business, building the agents, building construction. So we like to just hear and see everything we possibly can because the, the opportunities for us, because what we've created is, is every house. Every house is an opportunity. So we don't like really zone in on areas. Um, you know, if we, were, if we were only buying and we had a fund and we were like, we got to go spend $10 million. Yeah, maybe we would do something like that and we could pick out areas if, if that's valuable. But other than that, it's like, you know, back to being competitive. It, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come all the time. So we're just getting it anywhere and everywhere we can. We love all the surrounding cities, you know, Hutto, Georgetown, Pflugerville, Kyle, Buda, San Marcos, New Braunfels. We love all of it. And we just try to hear all of it, see all of it. Um, with all of our agents, you know, we've got, it's like a little army. We've got 45 people that know that we're buyers and know what we do. They're giving us leads. They find stuff in uh, San Antonio and we'll go look at that. So naturally it's just, it's always expanding. We'd love to do multiple markets, multiple cities. But the way I look at that is we'd have to have the right people and the right partners. We're not ready for that until we find those people. We're always looking, which is another thing that the networking does. Um, but if I had to pick something, I mean, we, we love where we're at downtown Round Rock. I think there's a ton of opportunity here. Um, you know, for, as far as what the deals look like, it's, it's been kind of like yourself where you started with single family and then gravitated towards multi. So now we're doing like small little 20 unit apartments, mobile home parks, warehouse projects, not doing any, you know, 200 or 300 unit deal syndications, nothing like that. We'd love to get there. Um, but, uh, because it's so scarce, we just try to look at everything. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I agree. Especially if you're focused on one market, then you have to kind of broaden your scope a little bit, right? Yeah. And it's a sm Austin's pretty small. Like it's really a small market. So are, are all your units at market rate or do you also participate in any Airbnb? Yeah, we've got Airbnb. Um, we have, what do, when you say market, you mean like rents? Market rent. Yeah. Like just market rent. Are you doing anything like through, you know, uh, I don't know anything else like Airbnb or just senior HUD, you know, government subsidies, anything else? We, or we've done, we've done some Airbnb. We own a sober living house that's creative uh, rental that we have. Yeah. He, Alex runs uh, in his, in his uh, past life, he was running a addiction management company and he still kind of runs this one house that we own. And it, it brings in a good amount of money. Um, we have, we've only done that once, but that's a really cool strategy to do more of that. It was interesting. My one buddy, uh, he said his friend bought a place downtown, a duplex, rented out one side and it paid for the whole entire thing, Airbnb. And he lived on the other side free. So I thought that he was very surprised at what they got for the annual rent. It was like a you know, million dollar property and they're getting over a hundred thousand dollars just for one side for the year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Airbnb is great. And, uh, that's what we were initially thinking when we bought this duplex was run the office out of one side, Airbnb out the other side. Uh, Austin, I don't think you're technically allowed to do Airbnb. Um, I think there's little ways around that, but it's, you can't like, it has to be a homestead to Airbnb it. And then there, like he said, there's a lot of people that, you know, do it without, I mean, there's a lot of people that have five of them. You're not really supposed to have that. <laughs> okay. So that's probably how he, he was living there. So that's probably why he was able to do it. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about your buddy was doing it here in downtown Austin. Yeah. My, yeah. He, they bought a place downtown. They moved up from, ah, oh God, I don't know. I don't know all the areas, but the Northwest area, um, they bought a place downtown for like a million bucks. It was like a side by side or something. They were able to move into one side, but and still get like 120 a year gross on the other side, which covered everything. That's awesome, man. I was like, shit, man. You know, 
That's free that's living. Cool. So that's, that's a great, cool. great advice for people that are looking at certain markets. I mean, if the annual rents can be covered on one side and you can live in the other free, right? Well, and we got a friend and you should probably have him on your show. His name's Diego. Um, and that comes back to the sacrifice. Diego was an illegal citizen and now he, he owns like 50 properties and does all kinds of stuff. He's in Austin. He was on Ted talks and all this stuff, but he's a big guy about, uh, house hacking and renting out the rooms. And that's what I'm saying with the sacrifice. Like, you know, if you're, if your buddy, you really wanted to sacrifice everything, you can everybody be the other side and rent out the other two rooms in his house. And obviously not everyone wants to do that or can, but that's another, you know, a couple thousand bucks you could get. No, I agree. Depends on, it depends on what kind of BS you want to deal with. Right. right. How, how much you need the money. I think he already has enough money. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, but that's what I'm saying. Just the, you know, the sacrifice, if you're willing to sacrifice, you can get so much out of this business. And, and that's a great example of um, how you can be successful in cash flow or, you know, do what you want to do, live for free downtown Austin. Right. Like that's a deal, right? Yeah. Maybe he didn't, uh, maybe he didn't, you know, walk into a ton of equity on the buy, but he was creative and had a plan in place and took the risk. And now he lives downtown Austin for free and he's getting his million dollar duplex paid for. Is there any other value or tips that you guys want to kind of leave the listeners as we get to an end? I, the only thing I would say what made me think about this is like the space that I've tried to play in is is pretty conservative. One with, I'm, I'm a massive risk taker on a lot of things, but with real estate, I know what I'm doing. So I try to be very, very smart with the risk I'm taking. Um, I'm not a big advocate of buying that million dollar property. Not that there's anything at all wrong with that, but we try to play in the 250,000 and, and less space on single families. Uh, because, you know, for me, when I'm looking at that million dollar, forget about your friend's exact yep. scenario because it worked. But it's like, man, I'm going to have a seven grand a month payment. That's scary. When we're buying stuff, when we have 1,800, 1,400. And so there's not, a, you know, we're minimizing our risk there. So that's, that's it. I just really try to focus on not over. I mean, the number one thing is don't over leverage. That's how you're going to screw yourself. But single family, we're, we're keeping it cheap where we know that we can get renters for 2000, 2200 all day. Multifamily, same thing. We just break it down per door, you know, a hundred thousand per door, thousand dollars in rents. We try to get the 1% rule, breaking it down. You know, we, we calculate 50% expenses. We check out our debt. We, do we see, are we buying pretty significant belief, significantly below what we think we could sell it for tomorrow? If all those things kind of line up, there's a good chance we're going to do the deal. And we, we look at it as like, it's just one deal and on to the next. And so many people sit around and, and just try to, you know, get a 12% return instead of a, you know, nine. And we're just like, screw that. Let's go get five of these nines and not even think about it and not even worry about it. Cause we're trying to build and grow and go. Yeah. Uh, paralysis by how high the return is versus maybe where the location of the asset is and where it's going over the next 10 years. Right. And I only say that uh, because I just, I'm like for the people that are just on the edge, like just do the deal, just do it. And then you're either going to, you're either going to mess up or not, but you'll learn and you'll go again. And like, obviously you want to put as much thought into it as you can, but don't just sit on the sidelines, like worrying about, is it going to be a little bit better? Like just think of it as one, if this is something you want to do, like at a, at a pretty intense level, like realize that it's going to be one of a hundred. No, I agree. All right. Well, I appreciate that. As we have our final question of the show, what is the biggest thing you have implemented in your life has increased your net worth? For me, it's the, the partnership idea. I mean, just, 
I kind of came to this on my own, but it's, it's obviously been thought of and talked about and wrote down before, but really committing to finding the right people and not having to keep everything for myself and understanding that mistakes are going to be made. And if you have the right people, I, I call it foxhole people. Uh, you know, if you're in a war, do you have people that you want in your foxhole with you? And if you have that, like you're doing pretty well um, and get as many of those people as you can and be the foxhole person for them as well and uh, grow together. Thank you. For me, it would be um, a mindset of, you know, not, not accepting no as an answer and not being afraid to go out there and, and figure it out. I mean, everything that I have, or we have made a lot of money doing, uh, I had no clue what I was doing when we, you know, first started doing it. Um, but you just take that late, that leap and take that step and figure it out along the way. So basically to sum up a lot of what you guys just said and during the show is no, all no's lead to a yes at some point, right? Collect the no's man. <laughs> and yeah, along the way, the best partners will lead you to success, right? Right. Absolutely. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Matt. And, you know, I'm sure he said the same thing about a lot of other people. Yep. hundred percent. That's good. I appreciate that. So if anyone, any of our listeners want to reach out to you guys, what's the best way to get a hold of you? We're easy, man. Uh, Typekey Real Estate is our website. We got a YouTube channel. Check uh, us out on YouTube, yeah. Typekey Real Estate. Subscribe, comment. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're on Facebook. We're very easy. You know, Matt Typekey, Alex Kaufman, just look us up. Uh, we're super easy to get a hold of. We, we respond pretty quickly as well. We'd love to hear from people. We, we enjoy it. We appreciate it. Uh, we want to help any way we can. And we're happy to have conversations and talk. And we talk to people all over the country all the time. And we don't really know where it's going to lead, but we just keep doing it. They might be able to get a coffee out of Matt, right? That's right, man. <laughs> probably, probably get a couple. <laughs> well, thank you guys for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thanks for your thank, time, man. Really you, appreciate man. it. Hope you have a great day. You too. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a rating and review. See you on our next episode. Thanks for listening to The Joe Roberts Show. Take these tips and insights that you can use to help grow your own personal wealth and share them with a friend that could also benefit. Don't miss a single episode or updates. Subscribe to our email list at joerobert.com. And as always, keep pushing yourself towards a more impactful life. The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. Joe Robert Show.